All right, good morning, uh, church family. Uh, here we are again in worship. Excuse me, I have a tissue. I'll use that right here just for a second. Uh, I, I will tell you, I missed you. I tried post. I tried to take a couple of photos here uh, during the worship time here in the post tomorrow on the Pathway uh, uh, Facebook thing and, and the live feed, but I couldn't do it. I'm just still socially uh, inept when it comes to all this uh, social media stuff and technology. But uh, I just want you to know, I just feel your presence, and we have felt the prayers of you and. and and uh, we were just praying for you. Uh, we are, and, and we love you, and we just thank you for how you are being the church uh, during this season. Uh, if you're new, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Kind of let us know there online that you're new. We'd love to connect with you in that way. Uh, we'll send you a little notice, make you aware how you can take your next steps in learning more. And again, Pathfinders is right after this worship time. And Pathfinders is just a way for, for new folks to, to learn more about us, what we believe and how we do and what we do, the things that we do, or maybe even to learn about baptism. Uh, maybe you're thinking about taking your next step in baptism or whatever. So we hope you will join us for that activity. Now, if you have your Bibles nearby, I encourage you to grab them. Uh, find the book of Jonah. If you've not downloaded your message notes off the website or off our, uh, I guess that would be the best place to get them. Or go to the app and do that. I encourage you to do that. Or you can find your Version Bible on your phone, on your iPad, wherever you want. But find the book of Jonah. Uh, we're going to get there in a moment. And the book of Jonah, easy way to find it. It's at the end of the Old Testament. Uh, Excuse me, you find Matthew. If you find Matthew, New Testament, go to your left a few pages. You'll find it's only uh, four chapters. Most likely, it's only two pages in your Bible. Uh, but this morning, we are returning uh, to our message series, the kind of foundation we're calling Uncharted Water. And we established in week one of this whole message series a few weeks ago that when you find yourself in uncharted waters, uh, it's kind of crazy and nerve-wracking because you don't have any maps. Um, you're in a place you've never been before. Uh, there's no maps to tell you where the obstructions and all the obstacles are going to be. Uh, there's no maps to kind of give you any reference points. You don't even know exactly where you are in this whole thing. Uh, there's no map on how to get back safely to shore or really what's going to be on the other side. And in that very first weekend, uh, four or five, um, I guess now fifth, five weekends ago, we, we kind of established that if there's any way possible that you can avoid uncharted water, uh, you want to do so because it can be very dangerous. But we also realize that sometimes in life, uh, no choice or fault of our own, uh, like COVID-19, uh, we find ourselves in uncharted waters. But there's other things that happen as well, right? Uh, a spouse just ups and leaves you. Uh, a loved one uh, gets tested, uh, positive, or for whatever reason, and they die, and boom, they're, they're gone. Uh, a job that you feel was secure, that you would kind of, all of a sudden that job just vanishes and it's gone. I mean, you're a senior in high school, right? And three months early, uh, the school shuts down. Uh, no prom, no graduation, no ending baseball or softball season. It's just gone. It's just totally taken away. Uh, you get a bad medical report. Uh, the test came back as positive. Or you're locked in at home, right? And you don't mind being at home, but now you have these lovely kids under your feet all the time. And every time we say, you go, what now? What now? What now? What now? And we're all in the uncharted waters of COVID-19, right? Uh, uh, many calamities, many things can drive us into waters like this that are foreign. And in week one, 
In Acts chapter 27, we learned that when we find ourselves in uncharted waters, no fault of our own, that God gives us four lifelines. You might want to go back, if, if you're nurse now, join us and hear that message, the very first one, uh, uncharted water, COVID-19, you'll kind of hear this. But just really quickly, uh, what those four lifelines are is number one, if you're not doing this, I encourage you to be doing it. Grab hold of the promises of God. I mean, God's prom- God never breaks a promise. So you want to grab the lifeline of God's promises. Number two, you got to gather your soundings. That is solid, trustworthy, dependable information. There's so much information out there. Uh, you got to make sure it's trustworthy and it is dependable. Number three, uh, you want to grab hold of your spiritual and your physical disciplines every day. Uh, you want to have structure every day uh, to make sure that you stay healthy emotionally, uh, mentally, relationally, physically, and especially spiritually. And fourthly, the fourth lifeline is that you got to swim. I mean, you just got to start swimming. And if you don't know how to swim, you got to find a plank. You got to kick like crazy. In other words, you got to have a grit. Uh, we're in a long, we don't know how long this is going to last. We see some changes that are happening, but you can't just kind of automatically think things are going to go back the way they were. They're not. You got to have some grit. Uh, to keep on swimming and to keep on kicking if you don't know how to swim. Now, this morning, we're doing something different. We're going to look at a guy uh, who found himself in uncharted water uh, because of a choice that he made. I mean, he actually refuses to cooperate with God. Who would do that, right? And he finds himself going in uncharted waters, and that is this guy right here named Jonah. Now, if you have your Bibles there opened up or clicked over to that pretty site, you notice right there in verse 2 that God tells Jonah, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh, and I want you to tell them that I'm not going to overlook their wickedness and their evil ways anymore. And you see right there in verse 3 that Jonah, uh, instead of doing that, he runs to this little nearby city called Joppa, and he gets on a ship, and he goes 2,200 miles in the opposite direction. Now, my first thought and question, who does that? I mean, who does exactly the opposite of what God wants them to do? Uh, Okay, so I'll tell tell you who. Uh, Someone like me. I will raise my hand. Uh, I'm not proud of it. But there have been many times in my life where it's very clear what God wanted me to do, and I went in the opposite direction. I'm not proud of it. Uh, It's not something I boast about. In fact, on the back side, I always had this regret and this extreme remorse. And I bet you right now, if I could look into your homes in the camera, and I was to ask you, is there anybody besides me that have done exactly the opposite of what God wanted them to do? There are a few of you who would raise your hand and say, you know what, Rick, uh, you're not alone. Uh, I've done that myself. But the question is why? Uh, why would someone like Jonah, this God-fearing prophet, why would he do just the opposite of what God wanted him to do. Now, we're actually told here in the Scripture of why Jonah does that and what happens. Uh, But so many people uh, don't know what that is. In fact, if I was to ask you, tell me, do you know why Jonah did that? Some of you would go, man, I I don't have a clue. Now, Now, you do know about the story, right? You do know that Jonah, he was in this fish for three days, I mean, incredibly, and he lived to tell about it. And that's a controversy that so many people get hung up on. I mean, cynics uh, use this story right here to say the Bible is nothing but a bunch of fairy tales. It's not anything that you can historically rely upon for any truth, even from a parable standpoint. And any Christian 
who believes what this book has to say, uh, they're just simple-minded. They're naive. And so many people, because of the controversy of the fish, had just totally overlooked all the life lessons from Jonah in these little four chapters. Now, we can't cover all the lessons in these little four chapters, but we're just kind of hit on a couple. But it begs the question again, why, why did Jonah, why did he run in the opposite direction? Why did he thumb his nose at God say, no, God, I'm not going to do what you asked me to do? What was this force inside of Jonah that caused him to rebel and wind up in some uncharted waters? So you'll notice that he runs to Joppa, and in verse 4 we see that, that he uh, he finally gets on this ship, and they get out into the wind, into the waves, and it says in verse 4, uh, then when they're on the ship, the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. I'm at verse 4. A violent storm arose. The ship threatened to break up, and all the sailors were afraid. Each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. Now, you're with us in week one. That sounds just like Acts chapter 27, doesn't it, with the apostle Paul. There's a terrible storm. Everybody's afraid, and they're throwing the cargo over the side. Man, what's happening here? Except in this time, uh, there's something different happening. And the difference is that the crew believes that this is a storm unlike any storm they've ever seen before in the Mediterranean Sea. It's not out of season. They believe this storm came from God. Uh, they believe someone did something wrong on the ship and that's why God brought the storm. And the, says, the scriptures here says that the ship is about to fall apart. It's breaking up. they got to do something. So we see right here in verse 7, uh, they, they cast lots. The sailors said to each other, hey, let's cast lots. Let's find out who is responsible for this calamity. And they cast the lots, and the lots fell to Jonah. Now, in the scripture, interesting little side note here, uh, casting lots is found 70 times in the Bible, around 70 times. Uh, we're never told exactly the procedure and uh, how, what it means to cast lots, but all the scholars believe that casting lots is kind of like our flipping the coin, it's drawing straws or, or paper, what is it, paper, rocks, scissors, something like that. Uh, we don't know exactly what it was like, but we know it all turned toward Jonah. Now, something very interesting happens. They get Jonah. Uh, Jonah comes clean. Now, if you and I are going to give Jonah a failing grade, right, students, a failing grade for doing exactly the opposite of what God wanted him to do, 2,200 miles the other direction, we got to give him a big old A for coming clean. He goes, yep, as me, I did it. Uh, God asked me to do something, and I just face-to-face -face said, God, no, I'm not going to do it. It's me. I pro this is why you're having a problem. That's why there's a storm. Hey, throw me over the side, right? Just throw me over the side, and everything's going to be okay, right? Uh, uh, see, Jonah just didn't come clean. He is offering his life because he knows if they throw him over, overboard, He's probably going to drown. That's how bad the storm is. And then down there in verse 15, so they say, okay, let's do it. Verse 15, they took Jonah, they threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. And if I'm on that ship, I can just imagine all the sailors going, whoo, hoo, hoo. I'm glad that worked, right? Because if it didn't, they're going, who's going in next, right? It's me, it's you, it's you, it's you. And so, the, so the sailors are relieved. Uh, but Jonah doesn't drown. Uh, verse 17, the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, 
and Jonah was in the belly of that fish three days and three nights. And then for a whole chapter, chapter 2, uh, Jonah prays. I mean, he prays like he never has before, just like some of you right now in this COVID-19, right? In this unexpected, uncharted waters, you're praying like you never have before. And Jonah's praying, God, I am so, so sorry. I mean, you told me exactly what you wanted to do. I'm sorry, God, I really am. I repent, I repent, remorse, remorse. He is very, I mean, just a heartfelt prayer. And God is so impressed with his prayer over here in verse 10, uh, chapter 2, the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Stop right there. Um, uh, Even if the fish would have had a mask on, you know, like all of us kind of wearing these masks when you're out in public to protect the droplets from going too far, that probably had to set a Guinness Book of World Records for projectile vomit. Don't you think that big old fish just booming on Jonah? Uh, don't you? I can imagine Jonah needing a hot shower. I mean, had it just covered from head to toe. It feels so good. Kind of like some of your moms right now, especially some of your moms. You find yourself cooped up at home all day with the kids, right? And by the end of the day, you've had the kids under you, pulling on you, stuff all over from the kids. Even if those young ones puke all over you, going, oh, could I just have a shower? I think that's kind of where Jonah is. He can raise some of your moms. And then the Lord comes to Jonah a second time. He says, all right, down here in verse, verse 3, chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, he says, Jonah, man, I want you to go back again. I want you to tell them. I just want you to go and tell them I, I'm not going to overlook their wickedness anymore. I just want you to go and warn them. I mean, please, I don't want to destroy them. I don't want to do it. And Jonah obeyed. Duh, it says verse 3, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord, and he went to Nineveh. Uh, duh, I mean, I mean, right, I mean, who wants to go back into that fish for another three days? So, of course he did if he was smart, right? Now, then something miraculous happens. The whole city of Nineveh, uh, this wicked city, 120,000, not just the king, but they actually listened to the teaching of Jonah, and they repented. When you read that text right there, they put on sackcloth. They bowed down in the dust. They said, oh, we're sorry, God. We're sorry, God. And they make these vows, these covenant vows to the God of Israel. And God just hears them. And it says up here that God is so impressed in verse 10 that he relented because he saw their humility. He saw that their, their, their remorse was genuine. And can, can you imagine that? Uh, if you've been around here very long, you know I love Luke chapter 15. And over in Luke chapter 15, it talks about when those three little stories there. That when one sinner repents, uh, the angels in heaven rejoice. In other words, there's a cosmic celebration uh, when one person, uh, when one person gives their life to Christ. I mean, you right here, uh, that hear my voice right now. Uh, it, it, whenever you come to a time in your life, you've not yet done so, and you choose uh, to give your life to Jesus Christ, and you turn your back on your past life and your past ways, and you invite Jesus into your life, and you ask for the forgiveness of your sins, and you ask God to give you direction for the future of your life, uh, He will do that. And in that moment in heaven, there is this cosmic celebration, this huge party celebrating what was just going on in your life. That's what the Scriptures tell us. And so can you imagine... 
uh, you have more than 120,000 people in Nineveh all at one time. Can you imagine that? It's like COVID-19 uh, uh, worship on weekend on steroids. I mean, all these people at one time said yes, and they're having a party in heaven. Uh, when all this is going on. And there's no social distancing in heaven. They're high-fiving, they're knuckling, all this sort of stuff. I wonder how long that party lasts. It probably lasts more than a night or two. I mean, 120,000 people, each one getting their own individual time. Uh, but guess who's not partying? Uh, guess who's not excited? Uh, guess who's not full of joy about what's going on here? Yeah, you guessed it. Uh, his name is Jonah. Chapter 4, verse 1. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. Uh, he became angry. It says, he prayed to the Lord, Lord, uh, when I was still at home, uh, this is what I tried to forestall. This is what I want to delay by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you're a gracious God. I knew that you're compassionate. I knew that you're slow to anger. I knew you're abounding in love. I knew you're a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, take away my life, God. It's better for me to die than to live. What? <laughs> you got to be kidding me. I mean, really, what's going on here in this scripture, in this hotel? What is going on? Why? You have this prophet who loves God. I mean, he really loves God. God said, hey, Jonah, I'm going to use you. I want you to go to 120,000 people plus in their families. I want you to teach them about how good I am and get them to turn away. God does it. They respond. They're, they're, they're saved. I mean, they're, they're, they're delivered from the calamity of their lives. And this guy is ticked. He's ticked. What is going on inside Jonah? Here's what's happening. Jonah's heart has been consumed by what I want to call vampire emotions. Uh, his heart had just overflowed with anger and hatred toward uh, these Ninevites. And he's frustrated with God that God would be kind and good to those people because he thinks they ought to get it. Now, why? Why did Jonah, what was going on here? Now, if you do a little backstory history, uh, all the historians agree that the Ninevites, especially the military leaders, uh, they were some of the most vile and violent men that ever walked on the face of the earth in that little time period of the Middle East. Because it wasn't just they liked to conquer countries and ravage them and give them all a hard time. It's what they did to their POWs when they captured them. Now, m most of the countries around there, when they captured, had POWs. Uh, they would bring them in. They would make them slaves, have them do the work that the regular countrymen and women didn't want to do, but not Nineveh. Uh, they would herd their POWs, their prisoners of war, into the center, into the center square, and they did unspeakable things to them. Uh, they would cut off their hands and their feet just for sport to watch them die a slow death. Uh, they would gouge out their eyes. Uh, they would cut off their nose and their ears and just watch them kind of write in pain, you know, just kind of really suffer. Uh, and sometimes, uh, excuse me, I'm getting a little graphic here, but this is just a historical reality. They would skin people alive, and they would take their body parts and decorate the walls of the city. I mean, these people, these military folks were barbarians. Uh, they were the cartel and ISIS on steroids. And so when God comes to Jonah and says, Jonah, 
I want you to go to them and tell them about my love. I want them to repent and turn away so they don't self-destruct. Jonah feels this conflict that he loves God, but he loathes these people. And he just wants God to wipe them out. He wants God to rain down fire from heaven, right, and just incinerate the whole people. Uh, not just the king, uh, not just the military leaders, but every man, every woman, every child, just wipe them off the face of the earth. See, that's what God knows. And that's why God's so concerned about Jonah, that anytime vampire emotions, a frustration that's unbridled within us, uh, anger that begins to turn and kind of into breathe, that turns over to hate. When those vampire emotions settle into our heart, they just don't destroy the people around us. They begin to suck the life, suck the joy, suck the energy, not just out of the others, but out of the vampire, his or herself. Uh, something happened to Jonah. And God is going to do everything in his power to eradicate those vampire emotions out of Jonah's heart. Now, we're going to get to see what, see what God does for a second, but I just want to push the pause button for a moment. Here we are beginning week six of COVID-19, and I just want to ask you to be a little honest, just kind of do a little self-evaluation. Uh, are you noticing any vampire emotions uh, frustration, spilling over maybe into a little anger, and maybe a little hatred kind of buried down deep toward anyone or any group kind of deep within you. I just, just ask you a little. I mean, right, this spouse, this spouse, uh, you, you love the spouse, right? I mean, you, or you kind of love them. You thought you did until they're around the house all the time now, and you can't get away from those little things that used to annoy you a little bit. They're now they're annoying you a lot, and so there's the little frustration spilling over, and shh, or maybe those kids, right? I mean, those kids, again, you love them dearly, uh, but they're under your feet all day long. They're pulling on you, mommy, mommy, daddy, daddy, do this, do that. I mean, you are everything, right? You're a parent, you're a bottle washer, you're the laundry cook, uh, you're the teacher, uh, you're the principal, you're the enforcer. It's all from all day long, and sometimes you just, or maybe uh, you found out that your business partner screwed you over. I mean, you didn't apply for the PPP because you thought, hey, we're okay. We've got a large amount set aside, but now you find out you don't because he's been siphoning off dollars continually, and now you feel it kind of. Or maybe uh, your boss who laid you off or the boss who furloughed you instead of somebody else, and you had this, what, kind of building up with inside of you. Uh, or maybe because you have more time at home, more quiet, Maybe, maybe not quiet, but it's kind of isolation. Your mind is working, and you're thinking about that dad who abandoned you, who you don't have now in your life, and you really need the presence of, of an older person, a father that will love you and care for you, and, but they kind of abandoned you or abused you. Or maybe it's a mother who never was compassionate or tender, and now more than ever, you need to be able to pick up the phone and call her and have someone who has some tenderness, and you don't have and You kind of find yourself kind of seething on the inside. Or maybe some of you, let me ask you this, just to be honest with you. Do you find yourself hating uh, any politician? 
uh, do you find yourself hating all politicians? Could we be honest about that? Uh, do you find yourself maybe now hating a whole country, just angry at a whole country? Uh, maybe like China, uh, Chinese people, blaming them for this pandemic that spread around the world. Uh, do you find yourself sometimes, if you got honest, that you actually hate or loathe the whole race of people? Uh, maybe even an entire faith community. See, God sees this, these vampire emotions that are welling up uh, within Jonah. And God knows that's not a good thing because he knows that those vampire emotions stay in there. Uh, they can take him into uncharted waters. And church, I'm telling you that this vampire emotions in your life can take you into more uncharted waters you've never been before. And you don't want to go there, right? Uh, vampire emotions, uh, they can lead you to think thoughts uh, that you had never thought before, ever. And all of a sudden during the day, the pressure's building, all the stress, all the anxiety, you start thinking these things. And you go, whoa, whoa, they start, why, where did that thought come from? You would never think that, right, to do this or do that. Uh, vampire emotions can cause you to say things. Uh, totally out of character to you. You're at the end of your rope. You're frustrated. You're getting angry. You're kind of getting stressed to the end. And you just, when you say stuff, right? And you go, man, where'd that come from? Uh, that's not like me. Uh, vampire emotions, uh, they can cause you to do things that you didn't even think you were capable of doing to someone. And then it happens. And the next, you look in the mirror and you go, wow, I don't even know this person. Who would do that? Or maybe these vampire emotions, uh, they can just kind of leave you lost and lonely, totally isolated and more inside of your soul because you don't tell anybody what you're really feeling and you don't know how to get back to shore to be safe and you don't know how to get to the other side. And so God sees Jonah in this state where these vampire emotions are consuming, is overcoming his life and he's going to do everything anything he can to get them out because he knows he is self-destructing himself. It's not just about Nineveh. It's what's going on inside of Jonah. So look what God does. God goes to great lengths over here in verse 4. It says, God sent a great wind and God sent a storm. Verse 4, this was not a random storm. This was a God sent storm. The crew was right. Uh, down over here in verse 17, uh, the Lord provided a huge fish. This wasn't just some random fish that came along. This was a God-provided fish. Uh, verse 10 of chapter 2, the Lord commanded a fish. It vomited on dry land. This was not just some random nausea attack. This was a God-prompted puke, right? I mean, can you imagine that? I mean, God is going to any length to try to get Jonah's attention, to get these vampire emotions out of his heart. And then God hopes right here. God hopes, okay, I'm going to send him there. Maybe he's going to be a little bit better. And he, now he's going to go after all this, after the, after the wind, the storm, the fish, and the puking thing. He's going to go and preach to these people. And man, now they're going to turn their life and they're going to repent. 125. Now maybe he's going to be okay. And, but that didn't happen. Wow. Uh, see, that's what can happen when you allow those vampire emotions to really, you don't pay attention. They just take such root in your heart. And I want you to hear this again. Because now we see that really Jonah is not just frustrated with God. He actually kind of has a, an anger and a hatred. Even turn, look, verse, verse 1 in chapter 4. 
But to Jonah, I'm going to read it again. Now you know what's happening. This seemed very wrong. And he became angry. And he prayed to the Lord. Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That that is why I tried to, to not happen by fleeing to Tarshish? I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God. I knew you were slow to anger. I knew you were abounding in love. A God who relents in sending calamity. Now, Lord, take my life. It's better for me to die than to live. Whoa. You see what's happening here? These vampire emotions are just sucking the life, the joy, so much stress in his life that he just wishes he could now let me ask you a question uh, if you're God uh, what would you do next with Jonah what would you do what would you do All right, let's make it a little more personal parents parents <laughs> let's say your kids at the house are kind of acting like Jonah right a little rebellious, going in the opposite direction. I don't care what you do. They just kind of had this attitude, this sort of, you know, this kind of eh, all the time because uh, they're kind of tired and cooped up. Um, how are you responding to them? How are you responding? What are you doing? Well, I'm happy to share with you uh, what God did. Uh, God did not give up on Jonah. Uh, God did not just write Jonah off. Uh, God still saw the possibility, the very best in Jonah, and who he could become. And I want you to hear this right here. God will never give up on you. I don't care what you're thinking, what you're feeling, all the stuff that's going on in your mind, your heart, you're trying to wrestle through with, you know, in this COVID-19, God is not going to give up on you. And God is going to stick with you to help you eradicate any sort of vampire emotion that's sucking the life out of your family, that's sucking the life out of your marriage, that's sucking the life out of your parenting, that is kind of destroying it, imploding from the inside out. God wants to help you get rid of every little vestige of that in your heart. So look here, kind of uh, what happens here in the rest of this story. Uh, just kind of see how this comes to an end. So uh, in verse 5 there, you see that, that, that Jonah... Uh, he makes a little hut for himself, and he camps outside the city of Nineveh. Uh, he's still kind of hoping, I'm going to wait around. God said he's not going to do anything, but maybe he will anyway. Maybe God will change his mind. Man, it got such a place in his heart. And then we heard right here in verse 60, here's what God does. Uh, then God, the Lord God provided, provided a leafy plant, a leafy vine. He made it grow fast over Jonah to give him shade. And Jonah was very happy about it. Then in verse 7, at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so it withered. And then in verse 8, the sun rose. God provided a scorching east wind. And the sun beat on Jonah's head. He grew faint. He wanted to die. I said, well, what's with this guy? He's always wanting to die, right? That's what these vampire emotions do. They suck the life out of you. He wanted to die. He said, it'd be better for me to die than to live. And... Uh, but God said to Jonah, Jonah, is it, is, it, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And here's what I picture happening in this dialogue. Uh, Jonah says, God, that little plant, that little vine, I love that vine. Oh, thank you for that vine. It's, it's so nice. It's so good. I mean, it's so beautiful and green, you know, and, and it's such a dry, rocky, brown area. It gave me some shade. It's comfortable. It's got nice texture. It feels good on my skin. God, I really love that little vine plant. God, I'm really going to miss that vine. 
that plan. And, I, and I, this is what I hear God saying. Oh, really, Jonah? Uh, so you're going to miss that little vine? You're going to miss that, that, that little plant? Uh, the plant you didn't create? Uh, the plant you didn't nurture? Uh, the plant you did nothing to to make it grow? You're going to miss it? Huh, really, you're sad about that. Jonah, could you grasp that I'd be really sad if 125,000 people, if they just vanished off this earth and died? Do, do you understand, Jonah, that how much I would be sad that, yeah, the military leaders, they did some bad stuff, but if I incinerate that whole city, if I wiped them off the face of the earth, uh, there'd be these innocent newborn children and these little bitty two- and three-year-old toddlers, uh, they'd be gone too. If I, if I obliterate the whole city, there, there would be these young teenagers who had such hope and future for their life gone, newly married couples, their whole future ahead of them. These parents and grandparents, all they want to do is raise their kids and see their kids grow and become. Do you understand, Jonah, uh, that if I do what you ask, uh, these people that I love, I'm going to greatly miss them. I love them. Hey, Jonah, if you haven't got this figured out, you need to know this. Um, my heart will always, in my mind, have an irrational affection, irrational affection for my people. I love them. And I always prefer uh, redemption over destruction. And then the book ends. It's just done. It's over. It's over. And you go, whoa, uh, is, that, is that really where it ends? Yeah. There's no epilogue. Uh, you don't find Jonah talked about later on in the book. Uh, he's not referred to in any other really writings in history. It's just kind of gone. So we don't know. Uh, we don't know if Jonah gets it. He figures it out. Or he grows up just to be a grumpy, old, angry man against the world. You know, you just don't know. And uh, it's over. Now, maybe you're wondering right now, Pastor, why this message today? Why this message? Why? Why, why, why? Well, here's why. Uh, we are entering into the sixth week of COVID-19. We're beginning the sixth week of you being cooped up at home, and here's what I'm hearing. Uh, the stress and the frustration and the anxiety is spilling over. And uh, there's some marriages that are really being stretched because you're not used to being around each other. There's some parents who are saying things and doing something to their kids that they normally wouldn't do. Uh, we're hearing reports that the child abuse is being doubled at many of the local hospitals. They're seeing rage and anger being unleashed in the home. Uh, so that, that's one thing. Here's the second thing. Uh, before uh, this pandemic hit, it's interesting. We've been trying to flatten the curve, right? Flatten the curve of COVID-19. Uh, but before, before the, the pandemic, there was just a hatred in our nation. Just so much hatred and division. Like I've never seen in my lifetime but we kind of see kind of a little bit of flattening of the curve of that because we're focused on, on, the, on the pandemic. But I can sense it's kind of brewing under the surface. And there's about to be another explosion of this in the world. And I just want to hit it. I just want to hit it on the front end. That before we kind of get to this continuous sort of boils over in the world, that, that we, the church, just are aware of the role we play in the world. Because see, here's, here's another thing I see that's going on. Uh, it's become very fashionable and very vogue proud to be a hater. Well, people will go on social media and almost being proud to be a Trump hater. Uh, almost proud to be a Pelosi hater. 
If you remember, there's still some folks that proud to be a cop hater. Uh, there's some Christians <laughs> that seem to have to be proud about being a gay hater. Uh, then you have immigrant haters. Uh, proud to be a Palestinian hater. Proud to be a Muslim hater. Proud even to be a Christian hater. It just kind of seems to be in vogue, and we're just so vulnerable to it that I just want to take a chance that this world right now more than anything needs to know the love of God more than ever. And God is counting on the church to do it. And in our homes, if our homes are going to get through this with all the pressure and all the stress, love has got to be overwhelmingly in our heart. We've got to root out every vampire emotion. And so I was just kind of hoping that maybe this kind of thought would kind of help somebody. And the question is, if you fear that somebody... Uh, and you go, man, I don't even know how to do that. I'm going to quickly give you three coaching tips that I think will help you. And I'm going to do this really quickly. Uh, and here's the first one. There's the first kind of thing to write down there. You know, it's the number one coaching tip. Uh, if you want a best way to rid these vampire emotions, to sit under the waterfall of the affection of God's peace and love every day of your life. Then I'm going to sit every day. Under the affection of the waterfall, the waterfall of God's peace and God's love just flowing in my life, into my heart every day. Because if that's flowing into my heart, uh, it's going to be kind of hard to be always frustrated and stressed and angry and, and things coming out of my mouth that I wish I hadn't have said. It's going to be kind of hard to do that. Uh, memorize scripture like this. Uh, we'll put it on the screen. Uh, Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Just sit under the fountain of God's peace and let God's peace every day just fill you, fill you, fill you, fill you to calm the stress, the anxiety, the frustration that's within your soul. First uh, John uh, 4, 19. It says, we love because he first loved us. You just sit under the knowledge that I love, I love, I love because God, for, for God so loved the world. And I just sit underneath that. And then there's this uh, Isaiah 43, 4, uh, where God says, you are precious to me. Uh, and I honor you uh, because I love you. I mean, what, what did you kind of did this? You put, you sent a little note to somebody. Uh, Becky mentioned a note. You put it in the blank. Blank, see, uh, Rick, but somebody else's name. You sent, text it to him or put a little note. I love you. I honor you. You're precious to me in Poseidon God. Church, when you sit under the waterfall continually every day with the affection of God's peace and God's love, it's just going to root that stuff out of you. Listen to music. Listen to things. Read good books that fill your hearts with God's love. you got to sit under that waterfall every day. Uh, number two, I want to encourage you to steer clear of any source that generates vampire emotions. Steer clear of any source that generates vampire emotions. I was visiting with a young man. His parents asked me to talk with him. He's always full of hatred. He's just angry all the time. And so I asked him about the websites that he went to. And he picked one particular one. I said, why do you go there? Because it just energized me. I said, let me ask you something. Uh, when you go to that website, when you're done, do you feel more hateful or more loving? He says, well, I feel more hateful, of course. <laughs> I like it. I said, can I give you a little advice? <laughs> 
<laughs> if you want to be more loving, steer clear of that website. Church, I steer clear of all sorts of stuff that can creep into my heart that kind of makes these things kind of rear up. Uh, I steer clear of any talk radio show where their only purpose is to get people stirred up and get angry and get people going back. Man, that's not good for my heart. I steer clear of any news station that has any sort of newscaster that's just always talking hate and vitriol about Trump or about Pelosi or about those folks that get all that because that's not good for my heart. And some of you, I know this is, I'm going to get emails about this, but please don't. Just don't send them. Just don't send them. Uh, this is not biblical. This is just my opinion. Uh, people have been telling us, well, Pastor, you need to be watching Netflix. And so Dallas and I have been trying to watch Netflix and all these recommendations, all these shows, but so many of these shows... Uh, they just have just hatred and anger and cutting people up and just kind of decimating human bodies. And uh, I just can't do it because it's not good for my heart. I don't watch cage fighting. I, I just don't. I, I have three sons. I can't picture them wanting to beat the brains out of somebody or somebody else beat their brain. I don't watch uh, Housewives of any county. <laughs> I just don't do it because it's not good for, I just, you got to steer clear of that stuff because as I get older, as I get older, here's one of my goals in getting older. I want to be more peaceful and more loving. And I need a lot of help with that. I mean, you ask my wife, I need a lot of, be more patient. Uh, so I got to steer clear of that stuff. And just sit in that waterfall. Here's the last one, number three. I'm going to connect. I'm going to encourage you to connect with radically patient and loving people as much as possible. Connect with radically patient and loving people as much as possible. Man, that stuff rubs up on you. And I know now more than ever, that's the vision of the Acts 2 church. That somehow stay connected to the body of Christ, the church. Get online, stay connected, get, get, download Zoom. I'll be connected with your small groups, see each other face to face, encourage, set up prayer partners where you're talking to people. That's why it's important to be a part of the church because together we're just kind of soak under and bathe under the incredible love of God. And it's going to encourage you. Uh, that's why I want to encourage some of you to, to check out Pathfinders today. Uh, right after this worship time, go to Pathfinders. Uh, learn about who we are and find someone to connect with to kind of help you because uh, it's even harder. You feel isolated. Uh, this past week with our small group, uh, we divided up prayer partners so they would check in with each other, uh, love and peace, encourage each other in those ways. So, Now, there's one more thing I want to do here uh, to get you out of here. Uh, when I was thinking about this message, I was thinking about what the world would be like. The world would be like. I will just imagine if seven and a half billion people uh, got rid of all their vampire emotions, and their heart was filled with the expanded with the love of God. Their heart was expanded. What kind of world would that be like? Just try, try to imagine that sort of world. And then I thought of a song uh, that was sung many years ago uh, by the silky voice of Louis Armstrong. What a wonderful world it would be! And we don't have the silky voice of uh, uh, Louis Armstrong, but we do have the silky trumpet of. Phil Carpenter. So here's what I want you to do in your home. I want to invite you to stand in your home if you can. If you can stand in your home, I want you to circle up with your family and I want you to hold their hands. I want you to put your arm around that woman or around that husband, around that man, around your spouse, that one you've had a little tension with, and I want you to hold them. That child, that teenager, you've been a little stressed out, vampire emotions, sucking the life out of them, just draw them close. 
And I want you to listen. I want you to watch the screen. And we imagine, what kind of home would it be? What kind of world would it be? If it was driven by love. First Corinthians 13 ends, and these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Just right there in the room with your family, just nearby, holding you close, uh, loved ones nearby, and if you're single, you're home by yourself, man, just as soon as you can, connect with someone after this worst of time in your family or friend by Zoom or however. God, I pray a blessing of love over every home. And as the vampire emotions begin to build, as the stress and the frustration and the anger begins to boil, God, that you would root it out. I got to pray for a nation and a world as we get closer and closer, God, to beginning to, to move into back to some normalcy in some measure, God, and people are frustrated as some are ahead and some are behind, God, that love would rule, that frustration would be minimized, that anger would be calmed down, that no hate would take place as we get close to the election in the fall, and all the politicians and all the newscasters start this, that we, your church, would speak love. 
I ask you to do this in Jesus' name. Amen. See you next week's church. I love you. See you next week.